1: from KQED.
0: Good morning. I'm Saul Gonzalez, and this is the California report. The vast majority of counties in the Golden State can start easing pandemic restrictions and reopening their economies, says Governor Gavin Newsom. This despite the fact that there are more than 80,000 confirmed coronavirus infections in the Golden State and more than 3,200 Californians have died from COVID-19. KQED politics reporter Guy
2: Marzarotti has more. Effective immediately, Newsom says, more flexible benchmarks will allow roughly 53 of the state's 58 counties to open shopping centers, in-person dining and more.
3: We're moving into important uh, few weeks ahead of us and uh, we're going to start seeing a lot more activity. More
2: counties are now eligible because the Newsom administration has updated its checklist for reopening. There's no longer a requirement to go two weeks without a coronavirus death, which was a barrier for larger counties. And smaller counties can now meet a benchmark as long as fewer than 20 people are hospitalized with the virus. Up next, Newsom says look for adjustments allowing haircuts and the return of sporting events, but not fans, in the coming weeks. For the California Report, I'm Guy Marzorati.
0: But we are not out of the pandemic woods yet. Some counties haven't met reopening targets like Los Angeles County and many Bay Area counties and will keep businesses closed longer. Since the pandemic started and the state shut down, Governor Newsom has wielded an enormous amount of power. But the legislature is now back in session, and at a state Senate hearing yesterday, lawmakers seemed ready to reassert themselves as budget negotiations got underway. These discussions are going to be tough because of the need to make up for a huge drop in tax revenue. KQED politics reporter Katie Orr has more.
1: Before lawmakers recessed in March because of COVID-19, they gave Newsom broad authority to spend up to $1 billion responding to the pandemic. Now he's asking for similar leeway on nearly $3 billion for future coronavirus expenses. But Senate Budget Committee Chair Holly Mitchell seems skeptical at the hearing. You're suggesting that the administration feels that even with the legislature back in session, that you still need broad authority with 72-hour notice in terms of uh, your ability to spend almost three times the amount that we approved March 16th. The administration says it's important the governor be able to act quickly in case there's a second wave of COVID or another pandemic-related emergency. For the California Report, I'm Katie Orr in Sacramento.
0: With the talk of reopening certain businesses in some counties, our thoughts turn to what we've missed over the past couple of months. Maybe you can't wait to get back to your favorite barber or nail salon, but it may still be a while, as those places are supposed to open last in the state's final phase of reopening. And many of those businesses are worried they won't survive until then. CAP Radio Sarah Mises Tan reports.
3: At Exquisite U Hair Salon in Arden Arcade, Stephanie hunter Ray is doing business a little differently these days. I have an um, extension client that's going to come
1: in and she's getting a full weave, so I will be putting her package together.
3: With and- her salon closed, she's putting together what she calls Corona hair kits, but it's just a fraction of the business her salon used to get. African-American salons like Hunter Ray's are some of the businesses that will be hit hardest by the coronavirus closures, in part because of the way they're set up, which makes them ineligible for federal coronavirus loans. According to the Sacramento Black Chamber of Commerce, just 3% of African-American-owned businesses in the city received federal Paycheck Protection Program loans. First of all, you have to know African-American small businesses, 95% of them, are sole proprietorships. That's Jay King of the California Black Chamber of Commerce. He says the low startup costs make the personal care industry a good entry point for entrepreneurs of color. So of course, something like this, it's almost like having the air choked out of your body. King says minority business owners have long struggled to get small business loans. And Tam Nguyen, president of Advanced Beauty College Cosmetology School in Orange County, says it's not just hair salons. He says over three quarters of nail salons in the state are owned by Vietnamese Americans. And the closures have been disastrous.
2: I've been in the Vietnamese community here for most of my life. And I've never seen the Vietnamese community more hurt than now.
3: And Rob Brown, the owner of Another Look Hair Salon in South Sacramento, says soon he may have to take matters into his own hands.
2: I was telling someone the other day, I got a few more weeks and I'm going to have to go rogue and probably open up too.
3: The Black Chamber of Commerce has joined an effort to lobby the state to create specific loan programs for minority-owned businesses. For The California Report, I'm Sarah Mises-Tan in Sacramento.
0: Across the country, slaughterhouses have been forced to shut down because of coronavirus outbreaks that have endangered workers and disrupted the meat supply chain. But one employee-owned processor near Sacramento that acted quickly to protect its workers has managed to avoid closure. The California Reports Alice Wolfley has more.
1: Superior Farms is a meat processing facility that's been selling lamb and goat meat since the 60s. Spring is their busiest season, as people prepare for traditional celebrations of Passover, Easter, and Eid. The Superior crew processes around 6,000 animals every week at the plant in Dixon near Sacramento.
2: Around Easter, it's probably close to double that.
1: Anders Hempel has worked for Superior for six years. He says sales for those spring holidays were helpful when the food service industry screeched to a halt in March.
2: Half of our business uh, really just disappeared overnight.
1: But within a few weeks, they had an unexpected uptick in retail orders that almost filled the gap left by restaurants.
2: People who weren't normally lamb shoppers are buying lamb for, for whatever reason. Whether it is, well, I've got to cook that many more meals. I need some variety in my my, in my kitchen, so I'm going to try a few different things.
1: Unlike many larger processors, Superior hasn't had to furlough or lay off any workers. There also haven't been any confirmed cases of COVID-19 among the 160 staff members. Hemphill says management acted quickly to provide masks, workers already wear gloves, and staggered break times to allow for more social distancing. He says it doesn't take as many people to process this kind of livestock.
2: The quarters aren't quite as tight in a lamb processing facility as they might be in a pork or a beef processing facility.
1: And the small number of staff might be part of why they haven't had an outbreak. Close working conditions and lack of PPE are thought to be the cause of more than 10,000 confirmed coronavirus cases among meatpackers in the U.S., These outbreaks have also brought to light poor working conditions that were present in many plants before the pandemic. Superior Farms is an employee-owned company with low turnover. Workers receive health insurance and sick leave. And Hempel says, with luck, none of them will have to use that during the pandemic.
2: We have been fortunate. I don't know that that will necessarily continue on. But we're trying to be as vigilant as we can to make sure that our operations can continue.
1: He's also hopeful that with all the experiments in home cooking these days, people will learn that lamb isn't just for holidays. For The California Report, I'm Alice Wolfley. And finally, remember
0: this? Stand clear. The doors are closing. (laughs) Oh, the good old days of public transportation. As stay-at-home restrictions are loosened, how many people will really feel safe returning to buses, trains, and subways? Well, the experts really have no clear idea. I asked Philip A. Washington, CEO of Los Angeles County's Metropolitan Transportation Agency about what the agency's trains, buses, and subways look like right now, and what's
2: ahead. You know, before the pandemic, Metro uh, had about 1.2 million boardings per day. That's moving 1.2 million people. Right now, we're just below 400,000 per day. So the reduction in ridership uh, is huge, Uh, and obviously the revenue decline has been huge, both from a sales tax perspective and a Fairbox revenue uh, perspective. So
0: let's look ahead. In the short and medium term, what do Metro and other public transit agencies have to do to attract passengers back and make sure they feel safe the next time they step on a bus or train or subway car, even if you're doing a lot more cleaning and enforcing social distancing?
2: Well, I mean, you know, we're still trying to figure this out ourselves. I think every large transit agency in this country is trying to figure it out. I mean, I don't have the answer to that right now. I mean, when you talk about, you know, having perhaps 15, only 15 people on a bus, you know, uh, if we are going to mandate social distancing, uh, then we're going to have to put more buses on the street, which is going to increase the operational costs associated uh, with on-street service. And so there is a school of thought around the country amongst uh, transit professionals that you, you can't have social distancing uh, on a bus or a train.
0: So given what you just said, I assume at this point at least you wouldn't know how to handle big crowds returning to subway platforms or bus stops. And maybe that's a moot point because maybe a lot of those passengers aren't going to come back.
2: Well, I mean, you know, we are working to determine what we do. And, uh, you know, I can't sit here and say that we have all the answers right now. We have teams. We have a recovery task force that uh, I have set up and directed uh, them to come back uh, to me and present ideas. We are also looking at other areas that have large transit systems that are recovering right now, places like Seoul, South Korea, like Japan, and, and and other places that have even larger transit systems than ours, we are studying what they're doing. And many of them are basically saying, hey, listen, you know, we're going to have masks on, we're going to continue the uh, strengthened cleaning protocols, which is what we're doing, but uh, there's still going to be crowded trains. I mean, that's what they're saying. And so, we're going to have some, some learning pains.
0: And finally, Mr. Washington, while wearing a mask, of course, uh, are you going to be out and about as the head of Metro, riding trains and buses and subways in the coming weeks to see how these changes play out in the real world?
2: I'm out there every day already. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, this, this is uh, public transportation is my product. I got to use my product. All right. Philip A. Washington, CEO of Metro,
0: L.A. County's transportation agency. Thanks so much for your time.
2: Thank you for having me and uh, appreciate you listening.
0: And that's the California Report for Tuesday, May 19th, a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez in L.A. Thanks for listening and be well.
1: Support for the California Report comes from California Earthquake Authority, urging Californians to prepare for the next damaging earthquake. Learn more at earthquakeauthority.com. Water heaters only. Specializing in the repair and replacement of water heaters since 1968. Licensed and insured. Open 24 hours a day, every day. Learn more at waterheatersonly.com. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt whose Fund for Strategic Innovation supports transformative ideas that benefit humanity while protecting the natural world, recognizing through science the interdependence of all living systems. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out the Bay Curious book.
0: Dot org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks.
1: Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world.
3: I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California.